that was just a little bigger. I wouldn't have had to iron, have Diana iron my shirt today, but, uh, wasn't quite tall enough. <clears throat> in my opinion, and that's all it is, but in my opinion, you could make a very strong case for the belief that the teachings of Jesus Christ have had greater impact upon the course of human history than those of any other person. Keeping in mind that he was both fully human and fully divine, it's reasonable to conclude that in his lifetime, he had access to all the wisdom of both heaven and earth. Yet much of his teaching is not marked by deep scholarly or theological dissertations. Instead, oftentimes, when he really wanted to get a point across to those who were listening, he told a simple story. These stories are commonly referred to as parables. One definition of a parable is a short, fictitious story that illustrates a moral attitude or religious principle. Communicating through the use of word pictures using common everyday items that are familiar to the listeners. Over the course of this summer, I'm going to be using my teaching time to revisit and unpack some of the stories that Jesus told. Amazingly, in spite of the fact that over 2,000 years have passed and times have changed, the principles covered are just as relevant in our world as they were when Jesus first told them. Even though they may be familiar, there is still meat for every one of us, regardless of our experience to take away. And if you're hearing them for the first time, they're simple enough, not suggesting you're simple, but they're simple enough that you can say, oh, I get it. Some weeks I'll settle in on one particular story, while other weeks I will look at multiple stories. And today I want you to envision three separate word pictures that come together to present a significant challenge for each of us to take a look in the mirror and do a little personal examination and reflection. And just to make sure, because I've got it. Uh, oh, Lindsay's got a skull on her face. She didn't do her hair. All right. All right. Y'all got it? Did I get everybody? All right. I'll come back. I promise. All right. That's why I snuck it out without telling you. All right. Uh, open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7. These are where the stories that I'm going to tell today or retell or share are located. I'm going to look at a couple other passages. And oftentimes with the parables, they're told in different gospels by different writers, and they're a little bit different. Just like if you and I were both to see something and tell the story of what we saw they would be a little bit different. So today we're looking mostly at Matthew's versions of some of these stories. I will look briefly at Luke as well. But the first story talks about the narrow gate, and it's found in Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. Two verses, and Jesus tells a story that should reach out to every one of us and say, hey, take a look in the mirror. Some personal reflection 
and self-examination in terms of where I'm at. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13, Jesus says, now again, he's speaking to a group of people, and he says, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. Then he says, but small is the gate, and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Pretty simple picture. Wide gate, no problem. Narrow gate, requires a little bit more focus and effort. Um, he uses, as I said already, this imagery in other settings. But it's important to note two things about this simple thing. First of all, he's speaking to people who are used to living or perhaps even aspiring to live in walled cities. So they get, as soon as he said wide gate, narrow gate, they knew what he was talking about, they got it, and they all pictured a gate. All right? And they pictured gates like this. And if you look, you have a wide gate and that is easy to walk through. And then you have, down to the lower left of the wide gate, you have a narrower opening that would require a little more focus and a little more attention. Now, to these people... The walls were a source of security and a symbol of strength. That's why when nations were conquered, or when other nations conquered the people of Israel, one of the first things they would start to do is tear down the walls so the people were vulnerable. So the people who heard Jesus say this, they got it. They understood that the walls represented strength and security, but they also understood that while gates were necessary, they were also a point of vulnerability. And Jesus simply, in those two verses, says, wide gate, reduced security, easily entered, more popular, you can get more people through the wide gate faster, but it potentially leads to destruction because of increased vulnerability. Narrow gate, more secure, easier to defend, harder to enter, Less popular, because it's not as easy, and it leads to life. I know some of you think I'm old, but I'm not old enough to say I was there when he taught this, all right? (laughs) But I'm really, really confident that when Jesus said, wide gate, narrow gate, wide gate bad, narrow gate good, Everybody there had a word picture, and they got what he was saying. Unlike sometimes when I teach you and you walk away saying, what? What was he talking about? Wide gate, bad. Narrow gate, good. Choose the narrow gate. Wow. Why do we need a 35-minute sermon? All right. (laughs) But also it's important to understand For us looking back, the context of the image that Jesus gave was crucial. Starting in Matthew chapter 5, through Matthew chapter 6, through the beginning of Matthew chapter 7, Jesus has called the disciples leading up to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, 6, and part of 7 is his first major public address called the Sermon on the Mount. 
And here he's casting his vision for this kingdom he's looking to establish. And at the conclusion of this, what I would consider somewhat rare, deep theological, scholarly dissertation that Jesus presented, at the conclusion of this profound vision that he cast, he pauses and he offers a crystal clear, simple challenge. A rubber meets the road moment. A put up or shut up moment. If you want to grasp the vision that I am casting, if you want the strength and security that I'm offering, then you need to be willing to pay the price to enter through the narrow gate. Boom. You heard all what I said. You may have been cheering. You may have been scratching your head about this vision. The Beatitudes, the call to prayer, all that he offered. Now he says, boom, what are you going to do with it? Take a look in the mirror. Take a look in the mirror. Am I living for the wide gate? Or am I living for the narrow gate? Because every day, you and I make choices that determine which gate. Two verses, simple picture. Gates, I get gates. Am I living for the narrow gate or the wide gate? Trees and fruit. When Jesus starts talking about trees and fruit, everybody there gets it. Their fruit did not come from family fair. All right? Their fruit came from trees. And they knew that. Matthew 7, chapter chapter 7, verse 15. Jesus says, he's just giving them a rubber meets the road challenge. And he comes back and he says, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ferocious wolves. That's a whole other word picture I'm not going to unpack, but you get it. All right? Wolves bad, especially if you're a sheep. All right? You don't want somebody coming after you that looks like a sheep, but they're really a wolf if you're a sheep. All right? All right. Verse 16. By their fruit, these false prophets, by their fruit you will recognize them. Do you pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. First, I want to talk about fruit produced by others and call you to be discerning. Now, for me, when I heard thorns and grapes... I pictured the briars in my backyard, and I pictured grapes. Grapes. 
there was actually something called buckthorns. And many scholars feel that's what he was talking about. And if you look at the buckthorn, they have these big purplish black berries. And then you look at grapes. In a hurry or from a distance, you might mistake buckthorn berries for grapes. Jesus is saying, be discerning. Slow down and look. If you're making moral, spiritual, character choices, don't be in such a hurry. And don't be deceived by what you think is what you're actually looking for. And then he talks about figs and thistles. I'm not a fig person. I think fig newtons are the only cookie I don't like, and that's all I know about figs. I don't even like the ones that have strawberry filling, but that's another story. But I do know thistles, or I thought I did. Now, on the left, you have thistle blossoms, and on the right, you have figs that are nearing a point of ripeness to where they could be harvested. Now, in those images, it's easy to tell them apart. But again, in a hurry and from a distance, you might mistake one for the other. Jesus is saying, look close and slow down in the things that matter most in life. Friends, I try, I really do try not to go too many times in the grumpy old man rant. But when you consider the pace of life at which we live, when you consider all the devices we have that are intended to help us multitask and do our task more quickly, we are driven to hurry. And hurry is the foe of discernment. And Jesus is saying, when it comes to the fruit produced by others, be discerning. I doubt that there is a person here who has not been deceived at some point by another person. Hopefully it was a relatively benign consequence, but sometimes it is a dire consequence. It is a life-changing consequence. It can be a life-ending consequence. Jesus is saying, be discerning. Judge the tree by the fruit it really produces, not by the fruit you think it produces. This also speaks about the fruit produced by me. And, and it's, it's a call to be honest about myself. Be honest. What kind of fruit does my tree bear? Not the fruit I want people to think that I bear, but the fruit it really bears. What do my actions on a daily basis, what do my words on a daily basis, what do my thoughts on a daily basis say about my tree? 
Good fruit doesn't come from a bad tree. Bad fruit doesn't come from a good tree. Luke addressed this. He says it very simply. No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. Just settle in on that. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Oh my goodness. I don't recommend this. But imagine the next time you're with a group of people. And somebody says something wholly inappropriate. It may be profanity. It may just be rude. It may just be wrong. And they say, wow, I don't know where that came from. Just pipe up and say, well, it came from the evil in your heart. (laughs) Because that's what the Bible says. I hang out with a lot of guys at the shooting range who are not worried about the type of language they use. I'm probably not going to say that the next time they come out with that. All right? I'm just saying. But but just, just take a look in the mirror, folks. A good man, a good woman, brings good things out of the good stored up in their heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. It's not a mouth problem, is it? It's a heart problem. It's a heart problem. Take a look in the mirror. Still in this story, the consequences of getting it wrong. It's powerful stuff, folks. Simple stories. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles and in your norm pretend to have great fruit and do nice things? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Get away from me, evildoers. Take a look in the mirror. Can you get away with deceiving others? I'm pretty sure you can. Because most of us aren't paying attention. All right? Let's be honest. You you can put on a great show and people buy it. Can you get away with deceiving yourself? Yeah, many of us do a pretty good job of that. But you're never, ever going to get away with deceiving God. He may not smite you at the moment. You know, it'd be, it'd be a whole lot easier to do the right thing if every time we did the wrong thing, God just reached out and whacked us in the head. Every time. I mean, we'd get the message pretty quick. I mean, I don't do so well with delayed gratification. I like immediate gratification. Um, but... 
delayed consequence is deadly, folks. Because we think we're getting away with it. Our children are adults, 41 and 42. Right? Right? All right. How that happened, I don't know because I'm barely 40. But (laughs) we are still... (laughs) I'm laughing, but I didn't hear what was said, so don't tell me. All right. Um, Out of the good stored up in your heart, I'm just saying... um, We're still finding out things they did when they were teens. All right? So, you're going to deceive people. You're never, ever deceiving God. Right? Nod your heads with me. You don't like it, but it's true. Scripture even says so. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Now, friends, some of you... So, seed. Some of you plant gardens, some of you plant crops. And you understand, you don't reap immediately. You reap somewhere down the road. Do not be deceived. Take a look in the mirror. Then Jesus tells another story. Last one, I promise. Wise builder, foolish builder. Wise man built his house upon rock. Right? All right, you know it. All right. Tell everybody they missed it, Pastor Steve sang in church. All right. Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had been had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Friends, any of you watch the news? Any of you see any of the flooding that's going on in our country? All right. Now, understand... The people that Jesus is talking to, they had an intimate understanding of what a flash flood was in their geographic region. When Jesus told this story, they probably knew somebody who had built and reaped the consequences of a flash flood. This was not just a story that's in a kid's Bible school song. This is a harsh reality. The the challenge being is in a dry season, those stream beds were very, very lucrative building sites because it didn't require much to build there. But when the storms come, and they will come, inevitably they will come, they weren't ready. Their building would not withstand. Now again, just understand... Jesus is the son of a carpenter. And he's talking to people who know what it is to live in a region plagued with flash floods. This was not just some 
random preacher who'd never built a thing in his life telling a story. This was a man talking from experience to people who had experience with the very things he was talking about. And they got what he was saying. Wise equals listen and apply. Foolish equals listen and don't apply. Take a look in the mirror. Which one am I when it comes to building on the things of God? Friends, you got to get this. Matthew 25 and Matthew 27 start out the exact same way. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house. Wise man, foolish man, exact same storm. Exactly the opposite result. Listen and apply. Survive the storms. Listen and not apply equals a great crash. Sometimes people like myself, as we teach on the things of God, we we like to suggest that maybe if we produce enough good fruit in the right way for long enough, the storms won't come altogether. That's not an option in this story. Storms are going to come. Listen and apply and withstand the storm. You know what? Even though their house withstood the storm, I suspect it was miserable to go through the storm. But it was way worse to go through the storm and not have a house standing when you're done. Take a look in the mirror. Which builder am I? One took the easy way. One chose a poor building site. One was short-sighted, if you will, and did not invest the effort to put down a good foundation. Friends, we're not talking about building here, are we? We're talking about our life choices. We're talking about establishing a foundation built upon the principles of God. One chose to prioritize the things that matter most when the storms come because the storms will come. One paid the price to lay a solid foundation. One invested the energy required to make good choices. Take a look in the mirror. Which builder am I? In case I went by it too quick. Matthew seven twenty four. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine. Now, friends, I will concede that ever since Jesus ascended into heaven, Everyone else who has preached the word of God has just been a man or a woman. Just a human being. 
but it's still the word of God. Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. I wonder, how many sermons or Bible studies might you be exposed to in a year? How many Bible verses might you read, study, or memorize in a year? How many worship songs might you listen to or sing in a year? Take a look in the mirror. What have I done and what am I doing to put into practice what I have heard? Friends, whether the the preacher to whom you are listening is incredibly gifted or whether he's not all that good, all right? The key is not how good he is. The key is what are you doing with what you've heard? What am I doing? That's the invitation to take a look in the mirror. By my words, by my deeds, by my thoughts on a daily basis, which gate am I choosing? By my words, deeds, thoughts on a daily basis, what kind of fruit is coming from my tree? By my words, deeds, and thoughts on a daily basis, what kind of builder am I? Simple stories. Simple stories. Wide gate, narrow gate, two verses. Confusing buckthorn berries and grapes and thistles and figs. Just silly plant story. Children's song, wise man, build his house upon the rock. Simple stories. Sobering reality. What am I doing with what I'm hearing? What's different on a daily basis? Would you pray with me? Father, the invitation is my title. Just take a look in the mirror. Because of our capacity to deceive ourselves and our capacity to to deceive others, Father, I, I really have no clue what's going on in the hearts and minds of those seated in front of me right now those seated in your very presence right now. I ask that you would just help each of us take a look in the mirror and be honest with ourselves. Am I making choices because the gate's wide and it's a little bit easier that way? Am I making choices because it's just not willing to take the time or invest the effort to really understand what I'm choosing. Everybody else is doing it. It makes sense for me to do it, even if it doesn't make sense in your sight. Father, help each of us to just be honest. What kind of fruit is there in our lives? What do people say about us behind our backs because of the way we live, the way we speak, the way we act? Because... We may be fooling the folks we worship with on Sunday morning. We may be fooling the people we live with or the people we work with. 
but we're not fooling you. Help us to take a look in the mirror. Father, help us to be willing to pay the price to move away the rubble, to be willing to dig a foundation in the rock, the solid foundation of your principles and your word, and be a wise builder. Help us to never be exposed to your word where we don't stop and think, what am I going to apply? What am I going to do with what I've heard? Father, help us to take a look in the mirror and see you standing beside us with your arm on our shoulder, offering to guide us, strengthen us, and empower us to choose the narrow way of life that we might walk with you for eternity. Thank you, Jesus.